It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for joining me here on Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, so we are live, and I'm coming to you from uh, on the road and looking forward to a great conversation, though, with two uh, pretty unique guests. So, um, you know, this show is really about conversations, about learning, it's about trying to figure out what we can get from our peers and those people that we admire that are doing cool things inside the world of talent and culture, you know, and just kind of trying to pick their brain, right, and see what we can take back into our own lives, into our companies, and into everything we're doing. Uh, a lot of those great stories have really culminated into what is uh, now my book. So The Power of Company Culture, it's a bestseller. Love to have you check it out. And we just found out the Audible ber- version is available I actually went and recorded that in Bath, England. I'm really excited to have it there and was able to record it myself. So uh, if you're an audible person, if you don't, uh, if you if you prefer to listen, not read, which is what I do, um, it's available. So love to have you check that out. Um, Talent Talk is live every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And as I mentioned, you can access this through so many different ways. Podcast uh, is what we turn it into later on. So you can find it a week or two on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts, we're there. So, But a big thank you to everyone who's being a part of the show. We have over 10,000 of you a day coming in, which is millions a year, downloading our show and interacting with us. Um, if you have a question, uh, we'd love to see them. We'd love to get your comments and feedback and thoughts. Uh, and we do that all on Twitter. So uh, we promote on all the different platforms that we find on Twitter is really easy for us to to have a conversation on. And my producer, Mike, is actually live tweeting all the best little snippets of today. And you can find them there uh, by going to at people G2. Look for that hashtag talent talk. And you can be a part of the conversation and let us know what you think. All right. Well, let's get to my guest today. My first guest will be uh, Tim, uh, uh, excuse me, Tim Brownson, uh, owner and coach of The Life Coach. And then we'll bring in C.C. Perrier, um, Perrier, excuse me, the founder and CEO of uh, Snowfox. Uh, C.C. will join me in the second half of the show. But let's go ahead and get to my first guest. Uh, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. And I must say, you may tell from my accent, I'm English, and Bath is literally my favorite town. It's probably not a city or town in, in the U.K. So uh, worth buying your book just because it's from Bath. Well, fantastic, Tim. I appreciate you joining me and, and uh, from all the way across the pond. Um, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? You know, what's important for us to know about you, your organization, and what you're doing over there as a coach for a life coach uh, and a daring adventure? Well, I'm, I'm doing everything over there, over here, actually. Uh, even though I've just come back from the UK, I've lived in the US now uh, for 14 years. So uh, predominantly now, I tend to work with other life coaches. I've been a coach for 
14 years, but really last five years I've been working with what other coaches do, staff to approach me. So it's really just, just that. And also I do a lot of work around helping people understand core values. So core values is a big thing on me and uh, helping people understand what motivates them, what drives them and uh, what keeps them on track again. Yeah, and that's really important, right? It's sort of a core, and I know there's a lot of coaches out there that focus in a lot of different areas, but, you know, you are a coach that really, I guess, kind of coaches other coaches, and uh, as you kind of mentioned, really working on core values. I mean, how did you get started in this? You know, how does how does one become a coach or kind of, you know, fall in, into wherever you are in your path now? How does that end up? Well, I, I fell into it. I, a little bit like I fell into my previous career, so I, I worked in town for 20 years. In the uh, late 90s, early 90s or whatever, I was um, just making great money but struggling, really struggling in terms of uh, stress levels and just happiness. And um, I got to coaching because I, I did have the stress management course at Sheffield University in the UK, and then I went on. And I heard about life coach, I can't even remember where now, this is, like I say, way back in, you know, around about 2003, 2004. And then I went and got trained in that. I thought, oh, this is super cool, because it takes a lot of the really cool elements of sales. So, you know, sales is all about building rapport and asking questions and finding solutions. And, and so is coaching. Uh, but it doesn't quite have that hammer hanging over your head that, that corporate sales does. So I, I did just training and thought, ah, this is for me, this is what I, yeah, I did it just to become a better sales manager and, and uh, less stress. and thought, actually, I want to do this for a living, and after that, I was back in, uh, I finished my training in 2005, and I uh, just, just walked out of a 20-year sales career, kind of like, just like that, literally on my driveway, I just thought, I've had enough of this, and I called my sales manager and said, that's it, I'm done. Yeah, and and we're having a maybe a tiny bit of technical difficulty in hearing you a little bit. I don't know where your mouth is, kind of positioned to the phone or whatever, but we might make a little small adjustment there. I want to make sure everyone can hear you. Uh, but you know, kind of getting down to it, why do you why do you think life coaches are important? You know, it might be people that are skeptical, maybe people who haven't had one. Um, yeah. But uh, why do you think ultimately it's important? What what kind of drives that, or what what is the end result that people might really expect to get out of having someone like yourself? Okay, well, I think first and foremost, people misunderstand what life coaches do. You know, a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people say, not not just to me, but in general, I, I don't need to tell me what somebody, I don't need somebody to tell me what to do with my life. Well, that's not really what coaches are for. Co- coaches are there to help you think differently. So one of the things, Chris, is, you know, if, if people understood how many super successful executives and business people and coaches don't really sit up and take lessons. But the reality of it is, everybody knows that, you know, Tiger Woods have a life coach, everybody knows that, you know, top musicians and uh, and uh, people in the artistic fields have life coaches, uh, but people don't realize that actual business people and entrepreneurs and what have you have a life coach. So a coach's, a coach's job really is facil- to facilitate change by asking questions that will make people think differently. So the biggest compliment a, a client can say to me is, ah, I, I never thought about it like that. Because when they say that, that means I've shifted their thinking. My job isn't to say, go and do this or go and do that, because that would just be what would work for me. 
it would be to help people to think differently. Right. And that's really important. Uh, I think you bring up two great points here, right? I mean, the, the best of the best out there have coaches. They have people that are helping them. I mean, uh, right. you can think of the best uh, uh, Tiger Woods, right? Or if you want to think of some uh, a top CEO or wh- whatever it may be. They have a team of people that are helping them stay on track, stay disciplined, help them see things they're not seeing, you know, introducing them to new concepts and ideas. And yet we, you know, you're you're not one of those top people. You're wondering, well, how, how is it I can get there? And I think you're sort of introducing this idea that you need those those people to help you along the way. I think the difference here might be for some people in understanding, it makes a lot of sense that Tiger Woods has a, a coach, right, to help him with his swing. Um, that person might be very specialized and have a lot of knowledge in golf, but it, comes, it gets sort of different when you're talking about someone who's going to help you with perspective, right? With discipline, with yeah. seeing things you're not seeing. And that I think kind of gets a little muddy for people. Is that often sort of the, the challenge that you, you see people get stuck with? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, a, a coach, you know, a coach is, is skilled at asking questions that opens up different possibilities. So, you, you're absolutely right, and, and this is why um, people can have a, a, a misconception about coaching because they think, well, okay, well, yeah, golf coach will say to Tiger, hang on, you know, you, 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 you ha- you, you, your grip's a little bit stronger, your right hand's a little bit stronger, whatever, your takeaways need to be different. But with, 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 with life coaching or business coaching or executive coaching or whatever, it's more about asking questions that open up more possibilities because – you know, the, the pure coaching is based on coactive coaching, and this has been proven by uh, neuroscience time and time again. That that what if people can come to their own conclusions by being asked questions, it's much more that the change is much more likely to stick, and they're much more likely to think it was their idea. So there's a you know, there's a saying in coaching that you know if you've done a good job. Uh, a client will tell you if if you, you've done a great job, the client will think they're doing it themselves, and, and that's really true because it, you know. And sometimes your ego is like, "Well, what about me?" And they say, "Well, I've made all these changes, but I'm not really sure what you you, you know how you're involved in it." So yeah, it's about asking questions that open up possibilities, and you, you know we see this in life all the time. When just somebody says something, it's like bang, the light bulb goes on. Uh, and but without that initial question, that wouldn't have happened. And that's what good coaches do. Good good coaches are great at asking the right question at the right time. Yeah, and, and I think the other this has gone away. I think quite a bit, but there's still that old, you know, I, I guess misnomer. This thought that coaching is for people who are who are struggling, right? For people who are who are doing a bad job, that you're going to bring in a coach to help fix them. Um, uh, which I think is a very different than, I guess, my experience with most coaches are working with high performers, right? They're working with people uh-huh. who, who, are, who are doing a very good job, <laughs> who are trying yeah. to, you know, I guess, go from a B plus to an A minus or an A minus to an A plus or whatever it may be. Exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and it's, you know, it's a difference to make a difference, you know, like 5%. So I work with very few people that are failing person. Now there are coaches that do that, Chris. There are coaches that will specialise in that. You know, but for the most part, most coaches are working with people that are doing really well, but just want to bump it up. And you know, if if, if you're a 
you know, a senior exec in a medium sized corporation or whatever, and you want to take it to that next level to move to, move to a large group or whatever, then it's that, it's tiny fractions then at that stage. And that, that's the thing, you know, and it frustrates me because it is amazing how many people at that level use coaches. Uh, and, and it isn't that it's going to be a life-changing event. I mean, it can be. You know, it can be, of course, but, but for the most part, it isn't. It's just like, you know, going back to the Tiger Woods and we're, we're hammering this to death now. But the difference between his game when he won the Masters last month or in, in April and the difference between his game in, in March wasn't 20% or even 10% or even 5%. It was like 1% or 2%. And that's the difference that makes the difference with top performers. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, you even mentioned sort of this uh, concept that in your the best situations, the person you're working with believes that they've done it themselves, right? They have figured this out, right. that you've helped lead them to this path. And, and, and that ultimately is sort of a... Uh, for lack of a better word, a trick, right? It, it's to help them. They think they've yep. done it themselves. They thought of this themselves, and therefore it's a bit more powerful than someone just telling them what to do. Uh, and there's a lot of things that go into that with cognitive biases and different parts of things of the brain. I know that's part of your work and your knowledge of how the brain uh, kind of forms habits and patterns and, and changes behavior. So and does it take long for people to start feeling like they're making a change in their lives if, if they're if they're committed to, to working with a life coach or, or, or is it more of a longer process? Uh, I, I think that really, really depends on the individual. So, so I, I've had clients that have, have made a shift massively in two sessions. I've had other clients who I've worked with for a year and we've got towards the end and the, the shift's happened. So I think it's it, it, it really depends, and that's one of the things that frustrates me when people say, oh, you know, it's like 30 days to change your habit. Like, no, there's no science behind that. That's just not really, you know, sometimes that can happen and sometimes it doesn't. So, so, so I think it's, I think, Chris, if, if, if there's a message that I wanted to give to people, is it, it will happen at some point. It's just try not to be impatient about it and try not to think, well, this takes that amount of time because, you know, unless you're baking a cake, that isn't very often the case. It will vary from, from instance to instance and, and the type of change you're trying to, trying to make. So I'm sorry if I'm being a bit vague about that, but it, but it really is. It's just, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years and every client's different. Sure, sure. And, it, you know, I think ultimately what we're trying to do is be better in our work, be better as leaders. And what I'm interested in is, is you know, then how does that impact engagement? How does that impact culture? So, you know, with the people you're working with, how, what's sort of the impact? Is this is it a one percent at a time kind of a scenario, or do you see when leaders are are, are sort of taking this on that that it has a larger impact on engagement and culture overall? Well, it definitely can do. You can get people. You know, I've seen I've worked with clients that have taken this and run with it and then implemented change at an organizational level. Um, for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Dan Harris's book, 10% Better Is It? And I'm, I'm a big fan of the name of the book, but, but basically he, he, he sort of backs off saying, uh, 10% Happier, that was his book, I beg pardon. And he, he backs off from making any sort of claims that it will be this or that or whatever. It's just like, go for 10%. Because at the end of the day, if we're all 10% better or 10% happier or 10% more productive, we'd all welcome that. 
So going back to what you're saying, you know, I've seen people take this into a, an organizational level and, and implementing it, and it has made immediate impact. You can definitely do that with core values when you start implementing core values work. But, you, you know, the, the, it's not an exact science, and that's what makes it a bit tricky. That's what makes, you know, just keep the opposite opportunity to like poke holes in it because it's like you can't say this equals that if you do this then that will happen you can say well if i ask this question well that might happen or that might happen or or, or what have you so, so i think for me uh, we're living in interesting times now we don't want to stand and to present it but we are in terms of you know you get some people uh in new businesses that are taking up these uh, new processes or, or taking up, uh, trying to make changes and using values and things like that. Uh, Zappos would be a great example and, and seeing extraordinary change. Go on, sorry. Yeah, and, and that brings a, another kind of interesting point too, right? We look at big companies like Zappos and Google and things like that, but are, do you do you see there's a difference uh, maybe overall in, in, in the people that you maybe you're working with that are in big companies and have that kind of, you know, different pressure and things versus maybe an entrepreneur, right, from a small company or a startup? Um, or are these sort of concepts for leaders universal? The, the universal, Chris, I think... Um there's difference in terms of implementation. There's different things, you know, if you're middle management in a big company, can you take this and walk back and say, hey, everybody, look what I've just learned, can we change this? Well, no, that, you know, that's a lot more problematical. I've worked at that level where you want to impact change or whatever. But I, I do think, um, you know, the, the, the fundamentals are the same. It's just the willingness of the organisation and the willingness of senior management, whether that's a big company or a small company, of, of implementing those. So, you know, like I said, Zappos is a great example of where they said, um, you know, we, we, we're going to, these are our company values and these are what we're going to stick by and come up, mate, that's what's going to happen. Um, it, it, with bigger businesses or, or should I say older businesses, more established business, it's very difficult for them to do that because they have, you know, you know, there's the businesses where we've always done it like this. And, and for them to, to start making fundamental change or whatever, um, because it may not immediately hit the, the, the bottom line, then, then it's difficult for them to do that. And it's difficult for people that aren't right at the, the top level of the business to, um, to, to impact that. Yeah, um, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, it's certainly a different approach for in different uh, stages and in different organizations. Uh, I wonder if there's, you know, something, especially now, 2019, here we are, we're almost halfway through, we're just hit May, and, you know, is, is there something right now that you kind of hope leaders would have on their minds they'd be thinking about uh, as it relates to, you know, how they are as leaders or how they're uh, working inside of organizations? Um, is there kind of a core concept that you're thinking about right now? There is, but I don't think this has changed from now to when I worked in sales 20 years ago or whatever. And <laughs> I think the, the core concept is right. do what's right for your client or your customer. Do whatever you can to help your customer stop. You know, they will impact your bottom line. If you do what's right, if you, if you do what you can to help them, then that's going to impact your profit level. So it's, it's not just, you know, we, we've all had 
you know, I had a terrible customer experience recently going back to the UK where I got ripped off by a car hire company who literally said, pulled out to me and said, but you haven't looked at page eight of our terms and conditions. And I'm not joking now because they literally said that and the guy pulled it out and I'm like, whoever reads that far down terms and conditions and then they charged me with $700 wish list. So you can do that and, and then I can go online and tell everybody about it or whatever. Um, or you can try and do the right thing and try and help not, well, I said just your customer, but also your employee. You know, do what you can for your employee because survey after survey tells us that the most two, the two most important things that employees want are doing meaningful work and being recognized for the work that they're doing, not pay. You know, and, and coming from a sales background, it was always about, oh, we're going to give you more incentives and we're going to give bigger bonuses and what have you. But you know what people really want? They really want to feel like they're appreciated and that the work they do is meaningful. And that's not going to change. That's just like, that's just how we are as human beings. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, you know, they, I think you remind us of a good point we brought up a couple of times in the show before about, you know, doing meaningful work and, and being recognized for it. Uh, and I think the, the third part, if I can make that a triangle instead of a line, might be, uh, you know, and, and have a good leader, right? People want to work for someone who they like, that they respect at least. Um, you know, having a good boss, people, people leave jobs for bad bosses. So, like, if you can kind of, you know, triangulate those three things, it's, you're on your way to having a good culture. I think that's kind of the kind of the basis of it. And, and 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 to your point, aligning that to are you taking care of your clients, right? Are you doing what's right? Are you are you ultimately helping your customer, you know, get get to where they're trying to go with the solution they're trying to buy, so or the product. Um, well, we, we talk a lot about books on on this show. We love to kind of figure out what people are reading and what they're thinking about. Is there a book that uh, you're reading right now, or one that you typically suggest people check out? There's two. I, ne- I never, I never have one book on the go. The first one is Seth Godin's All Marketers, uh, Marketers Are Liars, and it's I think possibly the third time I've gone back to this. I love Seth Godin. I think he's, uh, I love his the, how ethical he is in terms of when it comes to marketing. And the second one is probably a little bit off off topic, really, but it's Ian Grillo's El Narcos, which looks at the uh, the whole. Um, the growth of the the narco um, the, the uh, cartels in Mexico, which is kind of frightening, and maybe not for the average person who's listening to this. I don't know, but definitely anything. I would say go and listen to or read anything by Seth Godin if you're into doing the right thing with your marketing and your sales, etc. Well, and I'm just about to start his new one. I think it's called This Is Marketing. Um, yeah, and I heard I rave, rave I reviews about it, so I'm look, look excited yeah, to read that. It's fantastic. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Well, uh, you, you know, really appreciate you being on the show today with us. Uh, Tim, uh, the, is there a, a way that people should try to get a hold of you if they're interested in working with you, or what's the best way yeah, for them to do that? Yeah, so my uh, my my. A coaching website is a daringadventure.com and if somebody listening to this is actually a life coach and wants to work with me, uh, I split my business down the middle and that's called coachthelifecoach.com. Well, fantastic. I'm sure people can uh, find you uh, and hopefully they will. And again, I appreciate you being on the show today. Hopefully uh, all, everyone out there has learned something that uh, they can use in their own careers and uh, take it back with them. And uh, we'd love to have you come back on the show at some point and give us an update on the cool stuff you're doing. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Take care.
All right, we'll take a quick commercial break and we'll bring in our second guest, uh, C.C. Perrier, after this uh, quick commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news? Or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Imagine what it would feel like. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.com. Welcome back to Talent Talk Radio Show. Uh, my next guest will be uh, C.C. Perrier, uh, founder and CEO of Snowfox. Uh, don't forget, you can go to talenttalkradio.com and check out all of our past shows, as well as find us on iTunes and your podcast app there, iHeartRadio. You can listen to us there or anywhere else that you find your podcast. We're probably sitting there waiting for you to listen. Uh, and, of course, we'd love to have you interact with us on Twitter, at PeopleG2. Use that hashtag, Talent Talk. And you can comment, you can ask questions uh, about uh, this show or on any of the past shows. So as well as, you know, be alerted about who's coming up um, on the show each week. So let's go ahead and get to my uh, second guest. Uh, Cece, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, you know, what's important for us to know. And of course, what does your company do over at Snowfox? Fox? 
Well, um, I have a 30-something-year career. Uh, started off in the PC industry back in the day in product management and marketing, and I uh, had the good fortune to work for some uh, pretty amazing global companies. And uh, following that part of my career, um, I have uh, led primarily uh, leadership roles in small to medium-sized companies across a variety of industries. Uh, my most recent um, gig was at uh, Targus over in uh, Anaheim, and uh, I started Snowfox um, about a year ago. It was a two, you know, a year before that of of uh, uh, germinating the idea and getting pretty passionate about it, and decided to make it a full time thing. Um, we're just coming up on our first year um, in May of uh, of sales. Uh, Snowfox is a uh, line of uh, fun and functional barware and drinkware. It's insulated stainless steel, very high quality, um, and uh, is designed to uh, basically um, allow you to have a lot of fun uh, with beer, wine, and cocktails or any kind of beverage you have anywhere you want. So um, it's been a, we're primarily an e-commerce e um, and online business, um, and uh, we're uh, growing. So very exciting time. Well, it sounds like we have a lot to talk about because we have two components, right? We have the entrepreneurial part of you, which I'm really excited to learn more about. And then, of course, the um, fun and kind of excuse ways to to have a, have a fun drink. So I think we'll, uh, we'll probably find something to talk about. Um, you, you know, maybe we can talk a little first on this you know, concept of leadership. Um, I know you recognize that importance of alignment of leadership and, you know, and really the staff kind of coming together across the organization. Can you talk about why that's vital and maybe, you know, kind of how's that working right now? And it, it, now that you are the entrepreneur, entrepreneur, right, you're the person in charge of this. You're not necessarily mm -hmm. executing someone else's vision. It's your, now your vision. How does all this kind of come together and work for you? Well, you know, I learned, I learned the importance and, the, and actually not just the importance, but the, the impact it can have when it's, uh, when there is great alignment uh, very early in my career from my, uh, the CEO I worked for for several years and my mentor, um, and, you know, really when you're trying to achieve, um, what I call the, you know, the big goals and, and, and high growth, um, the more you have energy and alignment moving in the right direction and clarity around that across the organization, um, the more likely it is that energy is going to translate into special things. And, um, you know, since, uh, those early experiences, I've, as I've entered new organizations, I've been sort of surprised, um, how, you know, how, how simple it seems, but how difficult it is to do and, and how a lot of companies uh, focus a lot on financial objectives, but less maybe on the other things that help get people to um, move the ball down the field, so to speak. I'm a big sports fan, so I like to use sports analogies, but getting everybody on the same playbook. You know, in terms of how that um, translates into my business, I mean, I, 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 try, I do walk the walk and uh, everything from making sure that um, anybody who is helping me in my startup um, to my, my husband, who's my main business partner, making sure that we're aligned on what we're doing and how we're doing it um, is, is just absolutely vital because um, there's only so much energy to go around and only so much time and resource and any of it that's wasted um, in, a, in, a, in a startup is, is just wasted. Um, and so the more you can do to shore those uh, things up that um, – that uh, let get everybody focus on the things that matter and, and moving in the right direction, I think um, can make a big difference in the long run. 
Well, and for a lot of people, I mean, they, they say those things, right? And and especially yep. when you're in a startup mode and you're, you're getting going, it, there's a thousand things to do. And sometimes where we can fall down as leaders is to forget to do all the little people things we need to do mm-hmm. um, because clients want this and this wholesaler needs that. And, you know, this vendor didn't bring us that. And, uh, you know, it, it can be real. There's only so many hours in the day. And I think sometimes it's, that's where the, we fall short. So what are you doing to kind of make sure that you're really including employees and that, you know, the development part of that, the strategic planning and making sure they're aligned on company goals and everything as you're, you know, probably wearing 60 different hats today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, you know, my, you know, I, I, I did spend a lot of time on the, on the, the beginning and the upfront product process and um and that that sort of helps you know we're sort of in the midst of the when you're in the thick of execution um and i like to say you know slow down to speed up so i took the extra time at the beginning uh to make sure i had a well thought out business plan business strategy brand strategy product strategy and you know whether they liked it or not um you know i, I think they do is is articulating that in a consumable form um, and really making sure that, you know, every introduction to a new partner or anything, there was sort of a training almost where I went through that process and made sure that they really understood what I was trying to do, got their input. Um, and, you know, that takes a lot of time on both sides um, to invest in, in that process. Um, laying that groundwork is really, really, really beneficial, again, especially when you're, you know, ready to, you know, pull the trigger and say, okay, we're going. <laughs> um, those things, that groundwork really facilitates, you know, this common, this common, this common understanding that um, eliminates or really reduces some of the problems and the hiccups you run into while you're running around, you know, crazy trying to get things done. So it, it does sound really simple, a little bit of, you know, almost too simple, but um, I'm mean, literally hours and hours, weeks and weeks of work went into just making sure that I had a, a proper foundation laid for the business. And, you know, thankfully I've had a lot of experience doing that um, so that I could, I could get my partners and my suppliers, my, my vendors, my agencies and everybody, you know, really on the same page and uh, really excited about the vision. I think that was, you know, a big part of it too. Yeah, and, and all of those things kind of uh, are probably probably spend an hour just to start on on any one of those you know kind of subtopics you brought up. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot to do there, and there's a lot of uh, complexities there. Uh, it sounds like you have a good start. I, I'm curious, you know, that, that you you've had the experience of working for some really big companies, um, bigger leadership roles, and like you said, some medium-sized companies, and now as an entrepreneur. Have you kind of honed in on you know what you think really motivates employees? Um, especially in a way that, you know, helps uh, a company ultimately succeed? Um, well, there's, um, you know, on the most simple, you know, terms, um, I think there's a couple, couple big things. Um, you know, one is really clarifying role, um, really clarifying what an individual's role is and what in the, you know, assuming that they understand, you know, you've communicated, here's what we're doing, right. And here's how we're going to win, making sure that they understand their role in it. I think, um, you know, again, these are little things that take time and are are hard, right. It's it's hard to make sure that that's really clear and that everybody else around that person also understands it. But the, the, to me, it's sort of, again, philosophically, it's, it's really just about caring, um, you know, taking an interest, putting putting the employee first like we think about our customers and that's one of the things that I like to think about just in terms of leadership is you know if we spend as much time thinking about our employees that we do about 
customer experience or brand experience or out-of-box experience or all the things that get involved in, um, you know, bringing a product or, or, or services or anything to market. And we, and we invested that same kind of thought into our, our, the talent that we work with in the employees and showing that amount of care. And it's everything from, you know, acknowledging them, um, acknowledging their goals and their aspirations and trying to align those with what you're trying to achieve as an organization or um, um, within your business. And I think those kinds of things, and again, it, it does take the time. It takes the time, the 10 minutes or the 15 minutes or the setting aside that time to make sure you can have those conversations um, and instill that in, you know, the, the fact that you care um, about them. Um, and their experience um, with you and your organization is, I think, really important. And it just, um, you know, I really try to, I really make an effort to do that um, with everyone that I work with now in my business. Yeah, and and uh, that really starts with, you know, how they are, are inside of that uh, ecosystem, right, as an employee from the day one they start and, and how you treat them. Um, and one of the other things that kind of triggered my mind when I thought might be interesting to know is, you know, how has it been attracting talent to, to your organization now, given that you've, you've worked in different types of businesses? Uh, I, I heard you mention you maybe have a couple people in the business that uh, are, are, are related to you or, 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 uh, you know, stuck, <laughs> stuck with you. Uh, I have some of the same thing as well. Um, you know, but when you start bringing in strangers, right. And attracting talent, yeah. how has that been different? Um, well, it's, um, it's different. It's not, it's not that much different. Um, I think that, um, you know, whether it's an introduction or referral, which, which often it is, but I've also had some, you know, some blinds, um, you know, through various, uh, you know, uh, resourcing networks and things like that. But, you know, it always goes back to helping, uh, getting them to, to see your vision. And if you can get them excited about what you're trying to do, um, and you can articulate that in a way that they can see it, and then that they can see their role in it. They get, you know, my experience is they get very excited. And, and it, whether that was in my previous roles or, you know, certainly with a, a startup, you know, it's maybe a little bit more um, enticing for some people or, or, or not. Um, but I think getting that excitement and the, uh, for the vision um, is, is, is really, really the starting point. Um, the, the follow on to that is, you know, what happens after your first, first date, so to speak, um, and you get everybody excited and making sure that, um, you're facilitating and fostering, um, that kind of excitement through the entire process because nothing goes well, right? Every, and especially in a startup and, um, you know, and, and you're doing something brand new, um, as much experience as I have, you know, I'm humbled every day by how much I don't know and, um, you know, things happen. And, and so when, when those things do happen and, and, but you've created this sort of framework in this, um, like you said, the ecosystem that everybody of excitement and belief and and confidence that um, we can work through it because the end game is 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 material. It's real. It's it's exciting, and and so it gets you through some of the stuff that's not quite as fun. Yeah, and I would say one of the things that we've heard a lot from entrepreneurs is that you know, especially in early on in the in that process or in in beginning of their companies, that they maybe are hiring a lot more utility players. You know, a lot mm -hmm. more using your sports analogy, using a lot more people who can play in different, you know, different parts of the business, can wear lots of other hats as well, as opposed to a more mature business where you're hiring a lot of specialists, right? We need a programmer, we need a bookkeeper, we need, you know, someone who can, because there is the volume of work for them to do and there is that sort of need. Uh, are you feeling that now? Is that is that accurate or, or, or is that kind of different for your business? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, um, there's both, right? And I, one of the things that is important to do is really figure out, you know, which one you need 
for what and when you need them. So, um, you know, it's certainly a challenge, right? Because, um, you, know, you know, you do have limited resources, but understanding at what stage of the business you need that kind of talent that can, A, not only wear a lot of hats, but has um, the experience and the expertise um, on a broader scale to be able to help you design um, the solutions you need to ultimately get to that large scale is really is really important. So in my particular case, you know, I brought in brand experts, I brought in e-commerce experts, I brought it that that had that level of experience, you know, and um, that that could straddle a bunch of areas, whether it's just their expertise or the pure work. And then there were some areas where, you know, like you said, it's a utility player and this just isn't that important right now. I'll worry about that later because I can muddle through this with, with what I know and getting a couple people to, you know, some hired hands, so to speak, to help me with the, the block and tackle stuff. And then I know in a year from now, I'm going to need somebody to do those other things if, if the business is going the way I, I hope it will. Yeah. And that's an important thing too, right? Is to know when are you at that point to, to start handing things off, to start, mm-hmm. you know, being able to, to, well, you don't have to, you can only wear 59 hats today instead of 60. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, I, that's a place where entrepreneurs, I think really struggle. Um, you know, they early on, they have to do it themselves and, and they really want it to be right. And they're trying to set things up for the long haul. But then there's that moment when it's, Okay, now you need to you need to let the let, let go here, and let someone else take that on. Any any words of wisdom on how to do that in the best way possible? Uh, I don't know. I'm still trying to perfect that uh, process myself. <laughs> what is the right timing? Um, you know, I think there's actually two extremes. Sort of, when's the right right time to hand stuff off? And um, I, uh, you know, it's it's harder to let go of the things you think you, you enjoy doing the most. Um, it's easier to let go of the stuff you don't like so much. Um, and I find that, um, you know, you can get sort of trapped on both sides, right? Um, you want to brush off the stuff that you don't want to deal with and just hope somebody can figure it out for you and that can lead to problems. Um, or you can hang on to something for too long and, and bury yourself. Um, so it, you know, kind of works on both sides. I don't know if I have a sort of a, a, a magic pill for that, but, um, you know, it's, I find that getting a lot of input all the time and asking for feedback is, is pretty important and being willing to, to look at things as objectivized as possible. Um, I, you know, I often say, and I've done again, pretend you're a consultant today and just look at your business this way. And if I were coming in advising a company on what to do, what would you tell them? And what would you tell that CEO or that person or that leader about their business that would help them improve it? And if you can sort of switch gears, I think, um, it, it can it lends to lends to perspective. Um, you know, like every situation is different. The hard part is, you know, every situation is different. Um, but um, it's a, it's definitely a process, um, and it requires a little bit of discipline, I think, to to to, to keep in keep in touch with what's going on and uh, looking at things through um, pretty objectivized as much as you can um, to make the best decisions possible about those things. Well, we've talked a lot about sort of your uh, experiences here and also those that you're trying to create and, and nourish uh, uh, inside of your organization with your employees. Um, you know, the other parts of the business, aside from the customer, which we uh, will sort of ignore here for, for this this conversation, <laughs> but uh, we'll assume that they're happy if they keep buying them. Um, or they like alcohol, um, is, you know, what about the contractors? What about the people who are sort of having to help you provide the thing that you want to ultimately provide your customer? Uh, where do they sort of sit in this, you know, this ecosystem? Are they, do you have to really get them on board uh, with your vision and what you're trying to do? Or is it just a matter of really managing them to deliver exactly what they promised without really any insight into what you're trying to do overall? 
Um, you know, the contractors, you know, large and small, um, there's maybe one exception to that, but, um, you know, I treat them as though it's, it's almost, it doesn't matter if you're the, you know, uh, a strategic, um, you know, integral part of the team or you're helping with, you know, helping me write a, uh, you know, do a, a, a piece of content for my blog or, um, you know, you're my account, you know, you're helping with my books, um, I treat it all the same way. Um, I, I really want them engaged and involved and, and, and understanding as much as I, I can about the business because then they become um, a resource for me um, as, and the company as well as hopefully enabling them to, to, to do their job better or to make that extra effort or whatever those things are. Um, you know, I, I find that um, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you engage everyone in the process as much as you can and in the business regardless of the scope um when you need help or when you need input um you know you really get wonderful feedback and wonderful insight um uh from you know kind of surprising places um where you might not expect it um when you when you approach it that way and i'm you know you sort of seem like a person who is a strong leader and i imagine that has probably been that way almost all or completely you know <laughs> from the time you started speaking if you're like most leaders where there's something kind of innately there that uh you know but also gets encouraged along the way right to kind of uh, in a good way and i i guess i'm curious did you have particular role models growing up or maybe a first you know really good boss or something that kind of you know, pushed you into that maybe strong leadership position? Um, well, I've, um, I've had a lot of great coaches. Um, I've been a sports, not only a fan, but um, a sports enthusiast and participant for a lot of years. Um, so certainly coaches have had a huge influence on my life. As uh, my, my dad is, was a very successful businessman, so he certainly did as well. And I just lost my train of thought. Um I just lost my train of thought. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, that's um, all right. Well, we were just, you know, sort, sort of going through, you know, uh, you said you're different, uh, great coaches and, and people oh, that yeah. uh, helped you along the way in that leadership uh, uh, vein. And I think it's interesting you bring up the point of, of sports. And this is always something that like, can be a really big strength and can also be a weakness sometimes for leaders. I think they show up and they think, well, I used to be the captain. I used to be a coach. I used to be this strong leader inside of a sports, you know, bubble. Um, and I'm going to show up here at work and I'm going to treat everyone like, you know, the, my fellow athlete or the someone I'm coaching. And that doesn't always translate, right? I mean, I think some of the, hey, we're all on the same team and rah, rah, rah and all that works. But like if you're if you've ever been a coach for a bunch of kids uh, they don't do what you say. You can make them go run laps or do push-ups, right? And then they'll mm -hmm. they, they might listen uh, tomorrow. Um, that doesn't really work at work. So you know, is there sort of a transition there? There's so sort of it, it's a good basis, but you need to kind of go to the you know read a few books and go to the, go to the 2.0 level. Or how how do people bridge that? Um, well, I think like you said, there's having uh, having good mentors, and I didn't touch on that, but I was fortunate enough to have a, a very strong mentor that sort of showed me the way around that, who had a very, what I call the winning spirit, um, but has had a very uh, well-grounded strategic mind and understood um, how to leverage um, a winning outlooks and the, the, the sort of the, the, the sports team coach spirit thing, but, you know, grounded really well and, and, uh, and good business practice. So, um, you know, I think you bring up a good point. It's being the coach player, 
um, as being the coach, being the, the team, you know, playing different roles on a team is, and thinking about it that way, I think, um, is, is a big help because if you can empathize, um, and see another person's point of view, whether it's the kid that's struggling, um, because, you know, they can't figure out how to master a skill, um, if you're coaching little kids, which I've done, or you're the athlete trying to get to that next level of performance, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, is, is, is empathy is huge. Um, really trying to, whether you've experienced it or you, like you said, um, you find, find people who have, or you read, or you, or you expose yourself to many different things and, and really try to see things from other perspectives. I think that's, um, again, a very simple concept, but, um, very, very critical to, um, being able to cater and to almost customize, um, your leadership style in some ways to the situation, to the team itself and to the task or the challenge at hand, um, that day. I mean, you know, playing for the Super Bowl is different than getting there. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, your leadership style needs to adjust to those, you know, business realities. And, um, you know, the more you can expose yourself and experience different things or try to put yourself in that other position, I think um, it really helps. Well, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about Snowfox and all the products that you guys are uh, pushing out there these days? Uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, best way is to visit our website, which is snowfox.fun, um, and uh, you can learn everything about our company there um, and uh, and how to reach us uh, from the website. Well, Cece, thanks so much for being a part of the show today and taking us through your, your leadership journey, and uh, really uh, best of luck with your entrepreneurial adventure here, and we hope to have you come back at some point in the show and give us an update on all the cool stuff you're doing. Great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right. Next week, I'll be joined by Tiffany Hoover, uh, an HR and M&A and human capital uh, strategist. And then also we'll bring in Don Myers, Director of People and Culture for Montage International. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.